Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 53 of the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because we are going to be talking about urges and specifically the urge to spend money. I will tell you that during my life coaching certification last year at the Life Coach School, urges and learning how to process them, not just react to them, but actually allowing them is a skill that we spent a lot of time learning about and practicing ourselves so that ultimately we would be able to teach our clients this skill. And I will be very honest, when I saw that this was a part of the curriculum, I was a little confused at first because I didn't understand why we were taking the time to talk about urges because, frankly, I didn't understand really what they were and why it was an important topic for us to be spending so much time on. But I also didn't think it really had a lot to do with money, frankly. And so I wasn't super interested in learning about the topic that week. I thought that this topic of urges mostly applied to food and alcohol, right? Like when you have an urge to eat the cake or the cookie, the sugar, when you have an urge to drink a glass of wine after a long, stressful day. And since I had absolutely no intention of being a health or a weight loss coach, I really wasn't too fired up to learn about this concept of urges. I thought it really didn't have to do with anything that I work with my clients on. But I will say that after I started to learn more about urges and what they are and the role that they play in our lives, the more I started to realize just how much it has to do with money, namely in the urge that so many of us experience on a regular basis to spend money that we didn't plan ahead of time to spend to overspend, to impulsively spend money. And surprisingly, this concept of urges and allowing urges ended up being one of my most favorite and frankly life-changing concepts for me, which is why I'm so excited for this episode today because I'm going to teach it to you. I love episodes like this because of course we're going to talk about your urge to spend money, but you can also apply this tool to a lot of different areas in your life. You can apply it to food, to alcohol, to social media, to bad habits that you want to break, like looking at your phone too much, checking your email too much, smoking, biting your nails, anything that you feel a strong urge to do that you want to stop doing that is causing a net consequence in your life, you can use these tools for. Now, before we dive in to talking about the urge to spend, I actually want to tell you a story of how I used the tools that we're going to talk about in this episode today in my life about a year ago. It was more than a year ago, but completely non-related to money. So last year when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, nail salons also shut down, which was very traumatizing for me. I say that jokingly, but my entire life, I've told this story before, but my entire life I had had this terrible habit of biting my nails, biting at my nails, picking at my cuticles, It was really bad. I mean, it would get to the point where it was almost every single finger, both hands, you know, we're talking bleeding. It's just, it was really bad. I had done it ever since I was a little girl. And the only thing that I had ever found that helped me stop doing it was dip manicures. If you've never had a dip manicure, it's kind of like acrylic, but essentially it's just like a really hard kind of acrylic on your nail. 
and it's hard and it's thick. So it really kind of prevents you from biting your nails or picking at your cuticles. So I remember I got my first dip manicure in 2016. I remember that because I got my first dip manicure for my little sister's wedding. And basically, ever since my sister got married forward, I never went a single day without having dip manicure on my nails. And it really was, in my mind, what I thought was the cure. I was like, oh my gosh, these dip manicures have cured me biting my nails. And I did. I stopped. Well, then COVID happened and nail salon shut down and I couldn't go get my dip manicures. And I really was panicking because I was like, oh my gosh, like if I can't get a dip manicure, I am going to go back to having my fingers destroyed. It really was something that I was very embarrassed by. I was very self-conscious of. Like you guys, I'm not kidding. I used to go to work when we lived in Michigan and I was actually going into an office every day. I used to go to work with my fingers just covered in bandages. And my coworkers would just stare at my fingers and be like, Paige, like what what happened? Like what did you do to your hands? And I would I would lie. I would be like, oh, I just I burned my fingers on my hair straightener. Like I would just make up the most like ridiculous things for why my fingers were constantly just bandaged up. So of course, with nail salons not open, I started to panic. And that was when I was going through life coaching certification. And it was also the week that we learned about urges. And I actually realized that I could use these tools and apply them to this habit of biting my nails, to a habit that I wanted not to do, that I wanted to stop. And I did. I applied the tools here. I applied the knowledge. I went through an urge jar of allowing 100 urges to bite my nails, which we're going to be talking about later. And miraculously, I stopped biting my nails. Now, I went back to getting my dip manicures just because I like them and they make me happy. But there was a period of time that I couldn't get them. But instead of reverting back to this old habit, this old result that I didn't want to be creating in my life, I decided to apply these principles. And so this concept that we're going to be going through today is so powerful, my friends. And again, I think that it really will be able to help you tremendously when it comes to your spending, but also it's going to be incredibly impactful in other areas of your life. Let me just start by saying that anything that you want to stop doing, which usually is some form of buffering activity, overeating, overdrinking, over Netflixing, overspending, overworking, it's easy to stop doing. You just stop doing it, right? You just stop doing it. But the difficult and the uncomfortable part of it is the feeling that you are left with if you don't follow through on the urge to do the thing that you have the urge to do. That is the hard part. The hard part is not abstaining. The hard part is dealing with the uncomfortableness that you feel when you abstain, that you feel when you don't comply with the urge that you feel. What is difficult is what I call allowing an urge without responding to it. Now, let's just start here. What is an urge? Let's talk about that first. The definition of an urge is a strong desire or impulse. A strong desire or impulse. Now, in our model, the CTFAR, an urge is a feeling. It is an emotion that you feel. It's a vibration in your body. And if you've been here long enough, you know what causes our feelings and emotions, right? It's our thinking. Our thoughts cause our feelings and emotions. Now, oftentimes our thoughts that cause our urges are very subconscious and automatic. They're thoughts that you probably aren't even aware of because you're really not consciously thinking them. They're firing away in that automatic caveman pleasure-seeking part of your brain 
And they can be very simple and very subtle thoughts like, I want that. I need that. I have to have it. That's so cute. All of those are thoughts, but those thoughts create an urge within us for something, whether it's sugar or wine or a cigarette or to swipe our credit card. Urges demand action from us. I think of an urge like a screaming kid in a candy store, and I'm going to be using this analogy a lot today, okay? So just stick with me here. I think of urges like a screaming kid in a candy store who's screaming and stomping their feet to get the candy that they want. You can't comply and give the toddler the candy so that they'll stop screaming, but there's also the option not to. And there's also the option of just letting the toddler pitch a fit until they give up and exhaust themselves out. The reason I think that so many people struggle with making change in their life in terms of stopping behaviors that are harming them is because they are focused on stopping the action. They are focused on the surface level stuff. Again, the part of the iceberg that pokes out above the water, but it's really just the symptom of what's going on underneath the surface. Most people are actually trying to figure out how to deal with the behavior that the urge causes instead of dealing with the urge directly. So if I have an urge to overspend, to spend money that I didn't plan ahead of time to spend, to spend money that I know I don't have, I can spend a lot of time talking about the overspending. I can spend a lot of time you know, talking about the money and unsubscribing from emails and setting up my external world so that I can avoid the overspending, setting my world up for success. But what that does is it tries to control the environment. And it tries to control the behavior that the urge is causing. And what I recommend is that you don't concentrate on the effect of the urge. You don't concentrate on the overspending itself. You concentrate on the urge itself. You concentrate on the urge that you feel to overspend. Remember, emotions drive every action that you take. And that's all an urge is, a feeling, an emotion. But it's a very powerful emotion that's going to, like I said, demand action from us. So we know what an urge is at this point. It's an emotion that we feel. It's caused by our thinking. But like I said, it's an emotion that wants action from us. It is an emotion that is pushing us to engage in the activity that's going to give our caveman brains the short-lived pleasure that it is always 100% of the time seeking. But the next part of this is asking... Why do we give urges so much authority over us? If that urge, the emotion, is like a toddler in a grocery store, why are we constantly handing out candy to it, right? Why are we constantly complying with the urge that is within us? Most of us have not even questioned it. Most of us feel like we have no control over it. I hear this all the time from my coaching clients who are doing a lot of overspending. I hear them say things to me like, I just can't get myself to stop. I feel like I just can't help it. Do you feel that way with your spending or do you feel that way with anything else that you're doing that you want to stop? I will say that is how I used to feel about biting my nails. I used to say that to my husband. I remember Ryan used to say to me like, I don't understand why you can't just stop. Like you're in physical pain. Like you are bleeding. Why can't you just stop? And I would tell him like, I can't stop. I feel like I can't help it. And I know that there are some of you who feel that way when it comes to spending money. We're just constantly complying with every single emotion that we have, with every urge that we have, with every immediate desire that we have. We feel as if the urge is irresistible. And sometimes it can be. Sometimes the urge that we have to do things, even though we know 
they are not good for us, like overspending or biting your nails or going into debt, is so strong, you really feel like you can't not answer the urge. And here's why this happens. An urge is just a desire. It's an intense desire caused by your thinking. And what happens is we have a desire and then we reward that desire. And when we reward the desire, that perpetuates the desire. So the more that we reward the urge, the more intense the urge gets. Every time you have an urge to do something and you listen to it and you comply with the urge, you are strengthening the urge that you will feel in the future for that given behavior. The more that you give in, the more you are strengthening that reward loop, the loop that goes, feel an urge, give into it, feel an urge, give into it. So let's go back to the toddler in the grocery store. Toddler is screaming, super urgent. He's urging, he's urging, he's urging, give me the candy bar. So you give him the candy bar. And then guess what? He stops urging. He stops crying. He stops pitching a fit. But what has the toddler learned in that scenario? He has just learned that screaming, freaking out, demanding, being urgent, causing urges works. It gets him what he wants. So the more you give that toddler a candy bar, every time now you go to the grocery store, the more demanding that toddler is going to be each time for the candy bar. And so what started as simply just a thought and a mild desire turns into a perpetual rewarding urge thought cycle. And what simply caused the urge in the beginning, which was just a thought that was probably conscious but subtle, becomes an unconscious thought pattern that we aren't even aware of because we've given into it so many times. This is how I felt about my nails. A couple years ago, I've, I've talked a lot to you guys about alcohol. This is how I was with alcohol a couple years ago. A couple years ago, 5 p.m. would hit and it was just like, boom, start pouring the wine. Boom, start pouring the wine. I was having thoughts that were causing me to you know, crave the wine and have an urge for it, but I didn't consciously recognize those thoughts. It just became so repetitive and so automatic that that urge to have that wine at 5 p.m. every night became so strong. Many of us are going through life, and this was me until I learned this concept, okay? But a lot of us are going through life not even slowing down enough to realize that you don't have to give in to your urges. Many people think that the only way to get the urge to go away is to answer it and is to give it what it wants, to give the screaming kid the candy bar. But that's not the only option. There is another way. So then what is the answer, right? What do you do if you have an urge to spend money that you didn't plan ahead of time to spend, to spend money that you know you don't have? What can you do? Well, the answer is really simple. It's one of those things that's easier said than done. But the answer is that you simply allow the urge. You allow the kid to have a fit. You allow the kid to freak out. You allow the kid to demand what it wants. But you as the parent not react at all. You don't try to get the kid to stop crying. You don't try to resist it or negotiate with it or fight against it. None of it. You just let it be what it is and you let them pitch a fit. And what you will notice is with an urge and probably similar to a toddler is that when you just allow it to do what it does without resisting it or fighting it or giving it much attention without complying with it, eventually it's going to extinguish itself. A toddler will learn that throwing a fit does nothing. There's no reward for the urgency it's trying to create. It's not going to get him what he wants. And so eventually it extinguishes. And that is exactly what we need to do with our urges for overspending, and for all of the things that we do that are buffering at our own expense. Here is what happens when you have an urge and you answer it. When you have an urge and you answer it, it intensifies. 
But when you have an urge and you don't answer it, when you just allow it to be there and you don't resist it, it dissipates. And the more you allow an urge without rewarding it, the less impact it will start to have over your life, the less meaning it will have in your life. And eventually, it will dissipate and disappear. And this is what happens when we stop rewarding the urge. We stop encouraging the urge. It just extinguishes itself. It's like Pavlov's dogs, right? When we stop giving them food after ringing the bell, eventually the urge will go away. The drool will go away even when we ring the bell because they know they're not going to be getting any food. They know that the urge or the desire for the food isn't going to be answered. They're not going to be met with a reward. So going back to our screaming kid analogy, I want you to think of it this way. Every single one of us has the mature adult inside of us, the parent, the caretaker in this scenario. Whether you're a parent or not, I'm not a parent, but just go with me here for the sake of this analogy. But the parent is always looking out for the child's best interest. It wants to do what is best for the child in the long run, right? So when the child is pitching a fit for the candy bar, the mature, forward-thinking parent that has the best interest of the child at heart always has the final say of whether or not that kid is getting a candy bar. They make the call. Now, the child might have a freak out, but again, as the parent, as the authority in this situation, the parent knows that the child can throw as big of a tantrum as it wants, but it is not getting that candy bar. The parent can look at the child and be like, I understand right now that Sally Sue thinks this candy bar is the most important thing in the world right now and that if she doesn't get it, she's going to die. But I'm the wiser authority in charge and I know that she's going to be fine and also better off if she doesn't pump herself full of sugar right now. So we're just going to let her throw her tantrum until she moves on. That voice, the mature, forward-thinking adult exists in each one of us. But in contrast, each one of us also has the screaming child inside of our brains the lizard caveman part of our brain that I'm always telling you about that really is just wanting to spend the money and get the thing and get that surge of dopamine, even though it knows there will be future consequences. The child isn't thinking past the present moment. It does not care about the repercussions. It just wants the candy bar. Now, both players in this scenario, the mature forward-thinking adult and the pleasure-seeking child exist in all of us, both parts. The parents with the final say and with the authority and the child who's going to throw a tantrum. But so many of us act like the little kid is in charge and we think that the little kid is running the show and that the toddler gets the final say in what's going to happen. But when we look at most parent-child relationships, we know that that's not the case. The parent has the final say. Please do not ever forget who is in charge in your own life. The primitive brain cannot do anything without the human brain's approval. The child cannot get what they want unless the parent authority says it's okay. And I need you to hear me on this. You are the authority in your own life. You are in control. You can stop doing anything that you want to stop doing. Stop telling yourself that you can't. Stop telling yourself that it's outside of your control. Stop letting the crying toddler be in charge and run the show. Because the child, as we know, is going to create a mess that the longer it goes on, it's going to be harder and harder to rein the child in and the longer and longer it's going to take to clean up and correct. I want to spend the rest of this episode talking to you about how we can practically apply this within your finances, okay? 
First of all, going back to one of the five principles of being a good spender from episode 49. If you have not listened, please listen to that episode. It's becoming a fan favorite. But you need to have a spending plan for your money. This means that you are planning out ahead of time with your human prefrontal cortex how much you will be spending and on what. And I am reiterating this point to you because it is so important to plan ahead when it comes to allowing the urges that you will face. You will feel urges to deviate outside of the plan that you make for yourself, to go against what you told yourself that you would do. But if we're not planning ahead in terms of what we're going to spend, that means that we will have to rely on our primal brains to make those spending decisions 100% of the time in the moment. And that is completely unfair to our future selves because the primal brain is always going to choose immediate pleasure. That is its job. And if you don't override it with your prefrontal human higher level brain, you will always be at the effect of instant gratification, of overspending. And because there's so much pleasure available to us and there's so much instant gratification out in the world that we live in today, that when it comes to spending, you will overconsume and overspend every time. And that will ultimately create undesirable financial effects in your life. We always have great plans for ourselves ahead of time. We always know what we want. We plan great ideas of how we want our life to turn out. And then in the moment is when we make those negative decisions that are about instant gratification and instant pleasure. So if you don't make a plan for your money, you really are setting yourself up for failure if you don't have a plan. So that's the first step. You're going to have a plan ahead of time, like I always tell you guys. And then like I said, you will have urges to deviate from that plan. You're going to have cues and triggers That will cause you to have thoughts like, I need that. I want that. I have to have that. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Whatever the thought is. But remember that the thought then creates the urge that you feel, and the urge will then try to demand action out of you by spending the money and answering that urge and getting that squirt of dopamine that feels so good. So remember that the intensity of the urges that we feel to overspend will vary person to person depending on how many times we have felt the urge to spend, and how many times we've actually given into that urge. But like I said, every time you answer the urge and you give it what it wants, it's only going to get stronger and stronger. Now, I don't know where each of you are on, on that urge spectrum when it comes to overspending, but I want you to know, please hear me, that regardless of how strong and powerful the urges are that you feel, there is no point where you are completely gone and lost. So you feel the urge. And at this point, we're going to do something that we call pausing your model, pausing the CTFAR. Here's an example of an overspending model. The circumstance is that you get an email from your favorite store and you see a pair of shoes in the email that you think are so cute. And the thought you have is, oh my gosh, those are so cute. I need to have those shoes. They would look so cute with this dress or whatever. Those thoughts create the urge that you feel to spend the money. Now, urge is what would go in the F line. And then the action is you would move forward and you would spend the money and you would buy the shoes. Now, when we pause a model, what we are doing is we are actually putting a pause, a break in between the F and the A lines of our model, between the urge that we feel to take action and actually taking the action. It's being present with the vibration in our body that we feel without reacting to it and without spending the money. It's knowing that there's time. It's knowing that we're not in a hurry. It's knowing that the urge will not kill us if we don't answer it. 
Now, there is actually a really helpful tool. I referenced it earlier that I'm going to share with you that we can use during this pause process, which is something called an urge jar. Like I mentioned at the start of the episode, I used an urge jar when I was trying to stop biting my nails. And it was amazing. I loved it. It was so incredibly helpful for me. So here's what I want each one of you to do. I want you to get some sort of see-through container. You need to be able to see inside of it. And you need two of them. It can be a bowl, a flower vase, a clear plastic container, doesn't matter. After you have your two containers, the next thing I want you to do is to find an object or a trinket that you have a hundred of that will fit inside of your container. So it can be coins, marbles, bobby pins, Legos, does not matter. But you're going to get a hundred of them and you're going to start with all 100 in one of the jars or containers. Now, after you've done this, you've essentially made yourself an urge jar. And an urge jar is a visual representation of all of the urges that you are going to feel and process through that you don't respond to. I'm telling you, there is something in the brain that likes to have something to do and something to work towards and something to complete. And that is what the urge jar gives us. So every time you have an urge to spend money that you didn't plan ahead of time to spend and that goes against your spending plan, you're going to pause your model and you're going to be with the urge for 10 minutes without responding to the urge. The urge to spend is going to feel compelling. It's going to feel important. It's going to feel justified. You're going to think it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. It's just $5, $10, $20, no biggie. But like I always say, it's not about the amount or even what you're buying. It's about not feeding the beast. So when you feel the urge to spend money that you know isn't being driven by your highest self, you know where it's coming from. You know it's coming from that caveman lizard brain of yours. I want you to be aware that it's happening. I want you to take some deep breaths. And then I want you to set a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and just be with the urge. Feel it. Allow it. Let the little child inside of you kick and scream and cry and pitch a fit. But again, remember that we want to be the parent, the authority in this scenario. Kind of just like observing the child part of our brain, like, oh, isn't that cute? Sally Sue is throwing a fit right now because she wants those shoes, but she's not getting the shoes. And she'll have her meltdown, but then eventually she'll quiet down and she'll move on to the next thing. And this is what we have to do with ourselves. Remember, you are the authority. You're the parent who knows what is best. You have to be with that urge and you're not going to answer it. You're not going to give the little kid the candy bar. And once you've done this for 10 minutes, you're going to take one of the 100 items and you're going to move it into the other container. And every time you feel and you process through an urge without responding to it, you're going to move another item from one jar to the other. Those two containers become visual representations of all of the urges that you have allowed and not responded to. Each marble or coin or whatever it is that you use represents money that still belongs to you because you didn't spend it on something that you didn't plan for. Now, some of you might be like, well, I don't really think that's going to be that rewarding or motivating to me, (laughs) right? Like I'd rather have the shoes than move a marble from one jar to another. But here's the thing that's crazy about it. I I thought the same thing, but I was like, eh, I'll give it a try because I kind of had to with my certification and I'm really glad that I did give it a go. Because as you stick with this process, the jar is going to start to fill up and you're going to add more and more beads and your brain is going to love that. Your primal brain loves accumulation. 
and you have now offered it a contrast to just the one reward that it thinks is available. So what we used to do, we'd get the email with the shoes and we'd be like, oh, I want the shoes. And then we'd fight against ourselves. We're like, no, no, bad, no shoes. I'm not going to get the shoes. I'm not going to spend the money. And we would resist it and we would fight against it. But then at the end of it, there would be no reward, which that often doesn't turn out well most of the time. It was like you either get the reward of the shoes or the item that you want to buy or you just get deprivation and no reward. But now what we're doing with this urge jar is you're actually offering a reward to your brain, which, yes, is an accumulation of little trinkets in a jar and the filling up of that jar. And it doesn't seem to make logical sense to your prefrontal brain that this would work and be effective. But the accumulation and the reward of seeing that jar filling up is so much more powerful than you can even imagine. So when you have that jar, it's important to put it somewhere where you can visually see inside the jar and where you can see it for where you spend the majority of your time. And I want you to imagine that, like I said, as that jar starts to fill up with 100 beads or marbles, whatever it is that you use, every single item in that jar is money that you would have spent. And so when you realize that, when you can look at it and be like, oh my gosh, that is money that is still sitting in my bank account, you start to get excited. It's the weirdest thing. You start getting excited by filling up the jar. You start noticing it and it starts to become important to you. It starts feeling real and right and it matters to you. And suddenly filling up that jar becomes more important to you than overspending in the moment. It gives that primal brain just enough satisfaction to take the edge off of that other habitual reward of overspending. Something else that I will also encourage you to do, which can be very powerful as well when it comes to money, I have my clients do this, is as you're moving your items from one jar to another, I also think it's powerful to keep a list of the hundred times that you didn't overspend. I have my clients write down the date, what it was that they were going to buy, and how much they were going to spend. And like I said, you're going to do that a hundred times. So by the end of this, you're going to have a list of a hundred times that you were going to overspend and spend money that you didn't plan to ahead of time, but you didn't. And y'all, it's crazy how much money, when you go through and you add all of it up, that you can save by going through those 100 urges. I have had clients that have saved themselves, not just thousands, tens of thousands of dollars by allowing 100 urges to spend money without responding to the urge to spend money. Sometimes people ask, well, what do I do if I'm out and about? Like, I don't want to be carrying around an urge jar with me. I'm like, no, I get it. Just if you are going out and about and you feel like you're going to be tempted to overspend, just grab a couple out of you know the jar that you're still processing through. Just grab a couple with you. And as you're out and about, you can move them maybe from one part of your purse to the other. And then when you get home, you can put them back into their respective containers. But like I said previously, the reason that we do this 100 times is because the more that you do this, the more that you allow the urge to be there without responding to it, the more that the urge will subside the more power it's going to lose, and the less control it will seem to have over you. If you remember in episode 50 where I was talking about eating at home and planning your discomfort ahead of time, this is going to be uncomfortable. But do that here as well. The discomfort is going to be the strongest in the beginning. The urge is going to be the strongest in the beginning. The discomfort that you feel resisting the first urge is going to be much stronger than the discomfort that you feel resisting the 100th urge. 
It will get easier over time, but please don't think that just because it's hard in the beginning, it's not going to get easier. It will get easier. Each time an urge pops up and you don't feed it, it's just going to get weaker and weaker and weaker until it feels like the parent is back in control, right? Running the show. You guys, please don't just be like, oh yeah, this sounds like a good idea. Maybe I'll try it. I'm telling you, just do it. Make yourself an urge jar. I bet 90% of you already have what you need at home. Find two clear bins, find items that you have a hundred of, and start this process. I did an urge jar for biting my nails, and it was the most transformative process to allow and to not respond to strong urges that I felt to bite my nails. And as something that I had been doing practically my whole life, let me tell you, the urge was strong. I didn't think that I could do it, but I kept them on my desk every single day. When I would finish up my workday and I would go downstairs for the day, I would grab a couple marbles and take them with me. And I would just keep them on my couch and I would keep them in the piles. You can do this for anything. Even if you don't particularly struggle with overspending, do this for something else that you're struggling with. If you're trying not to snack after dinner each night, if you're trying not to pick up and look at your phone after a certain time each night, if you're trying to stop smoking, if you're trying not to pour yourself a glass of wine every night when you finish work, whatever it is, this skill of allowing urges and having an urge jar can help you create the result that you're wanting to create. So I will end by saying this. I know that a lot of people are resistant to do this work. You may be resistant to do this work as well, and that's okay. People resist this because they know how uncomfortable and how challenging it's going to be. They're thinking about the immediate discomfort that they're going to feel. And you know what? They're right. It is challenging. It is uncomfortable. It is hard. It's like I said in the eating out episode. Anytime that you switch up your routine and you start doing something that you haven't done before or you stop doing something that you've been doing for a while, you break routine, your brain is going to flip out. It does not like change. It likes repetitiveness and certainty and you doing the same thing over and over. But I challenge you to look out into the future and really think about the negative consequences that these actions are causing in your life. Yes, it is hard to resist a strong urge that you feel to spend money and to not spend the money or to not eat the food or to not drink the alcohol. But I'll tell you this, it's also really hard and uncomfortable to be 50 pounds overweight and not have any of your clothes fit because you're overeating and overdrinking. Okay, that was me. I've been there. I've been 50 pounds overweight with none of my clothes fitting. It's hard and challenging to be diagnosed with lung cancer because you smoked a pack of cigarettes every day for 30 years. It is hard and challenging to be $25,000 in credit card debt because you've been continually spending money that you don't have. It is hard and uncomfortable and embarrassing to have to go to work with band aids all over your fingers and have to lie to your coworkers about why your fingers are torn to shreds. It's all hard. One of the main themes that keeps popping up over and over here on this podcast, episode to episode, is that challenge, things being hard, things being uncomfortable, not living in that state of constant and instant gratification, it's going to be part of the equation, you guys. We all have to stop trying to find the path where the hard and the challenge doesn't exist because it doesn't exist. You're searching for something that's not out there. I always say, pick your hard, but pick the hard that is going to move you closer to the results that you want to create for your future self, for the best and highest version of your future self. 
This is such a powerful process because it teaches you some really important things. It teaches you how to utilize decisions ahead of time in your prefrontal power. It helps you align your spending to your values and spend your money in a way that enhances your life and moves you closer to the financial results that your highest self wants to create for you. It helps you learn how to process and feel and utilize your own emotions without resisting them or trying to use willpower, which we only have a certain amount of, by the way. And ultimately, it builds up integrity with yourself where you actually follow through and you do what you say you're going to do. It treats the problem, which is the primal instant gratification brain with a very simplistic jar and a hack that is visual to the brain that just satisfies it enough to counteract the need to be overspending all the time. So don't knock it until you try it. Please let me know if you create an urge jar and you actually do it and you allow 100 urges to spend money and you don't spend it. And like I said, take the time, write it down, and then total it up after the fact. Let me know how much money this saves you. Share it. Tag me. And please send this episode to anyone in your life who you know is trying to break a bad habit, whether it's overspending or something else. They are trying to stop doing something that they know is detrimental to reaching their full potential. Lastly, if you have two minutes, please don't be shy about leaving a review on iTunes of the show. I want you to know that if you take the time to do it, I will read it. I read every single one of them. They light me up. They make me so happy. They inspire me. They motivate me to keep showing up to you guys every week, bringing you this content. I love each and every one of you so much. And I thank you for being here and thank you for your support and for your encouragement. Y'all mean so much to me. So hope you have a fantastic week. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.